When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit. Yep, it's Binge Boys. That's right, you found us. Hal Rudnick, Lon Harris, talking about all of the things we watched on our VCRs this week. Just kidding. It's streaming. I only watch things for this show on my Apple Watch. That's it. I mean, that's how Dune was meant to be seen. I think this is really the test for content is, can you survive me not really being able to see what anyone is doing or holding? Denny Villeneuve would attack you with an aluminum baseball bat if he heard that you watch Dune on your <laughs> Yeah, Apple you're watch. not. That's really, that is just complete. I watch, we're not going to talk about this on today's show. We could maybe on a future episode. I watched yeah. uh, True Story. Did you see that on Netflix with Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes? Oh, no, I haven't seen I it I bring yet. it up only because non-spoilers. Don't worry if you haven't seen it. I won't give anything sure. away. But they frequently, there's a lot of times where they just show you, the camera actually shows you somebody's phone. Like they're getting Mm -hmm. messages and the plot is dependent on you reading what's on their phone. But it's something they don't always do like a close up. Like sometimes it's literally Mm. just like Kevin Hart holding his phone and we're expected to be able to read the text bubble from on the phone. And it's clearly too far away, especially like it's almost like it's designed for you watching on a laptop where you could go in and read it. Yeah. And I've never seen it. It's such a it seems like such a dumb error. Like a lot of other shows, it's just like, we'll bring it up full screen. You know, like put just put it on the screen. I don't need yes. to see it on their phone. Just have it bubble up because you're a TV show. Oh, yeah. That seems like a uh, like Dave. I've been watching Dave on FX and that's what they do. Right? Whenever he's having a text Good message show. conversation, it just bubbles up next to him. So you don't have to read it off of his phone. True story. Huge blunder. I say thank you to the filmmakers or the uh, the creators of yeah. the show who who do that, but don't strain my eyes. Yeah, and I feel like this is sounding like old man shit, but I'm telling you, it's physically not possible. People are watching this on their TV. It's not like I can't read it because my I, I need glasses. Yes, like yes. I do. I do wear Ben Franklin style bifocals, folks, but they were on. I was ready to go. Yeah, Lon, listen, no one here is doubting your uh, ability to read slash see. Is it bifocus? Is that why the, the, the people who do the thing where they have to, like, adjust their glasses constantly? Is that like, oh, 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 I can almost, yeah. uh, I can almost see it. Oh, no, now, oh, no. Okay, I missed it. Well, there are readers and bifocals. Like, my grandfather used to do that, where it's like, to read one thing, he's got to move his glasses to, like, nine different positions on his face. 
Yeah, because there are two. You don't different really need. I just really wanted to make fun of that. You don't need to actually answer this question. I feel like you're okay. now straining trying to actually explain bifocals to me, and I, I don't care. I just wanted to make listen. Sure. I'm constantly straining, whether it's asking a question for you or answering a question for you or sitting on the bowl. Lon, I was a little bifocal curious. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone, here is Lon with the news. Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? The news. YouTube released a list of its very biggest videos of 2021. So the oh, number. Oh, let me guess. Chocolate rain. No, that's and old. then that's and then that's uh, been a while. Uh, open Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam. Wow. <laughs> Gangnam Style, right? We all remember Gangnam Style. Yeah, Open Gang. Open Gangnam Style. Opa. Opa. O-P-P-A oh. is that is that Korean word. Oh, Opa. Opa Gangnam style. Right. That's that's how yeah. you say it. Whatever happened to Psy? Where I thought I believe we were made a promise that Psy was gonna just be a big celebrity from then on, right? That was the well, that was the deal. Well, uh we, the American public, became enamored with um with K pop and not middle aged man. Uh, Korean pop. Right, no, the, yeah, I mean, like, uh, the, the Blackpink and BTS stuff, that that yes. was inevitable. I feel like that's almost a separate phenomenon from Psy. Psy had a second song, Gentleman. Yeah. Mother, Father, Gentleman. Yes. Mm -mm -mm -mm. It was not as good. It, I think that was yeah. it. I think he had this, what, but how are you going to top Gangnam Style? It was the biggest oh, song in the you, world. You don't, you don't top that. We we were cheated. We should have more. We should have. More. I, I thought it was going to be I like in films Psy. after that. I thought that was it. I thought Psy was here to stay, uh, but no. Psy nowhere on this list. Back okay. in Korea, presumably enjoying a, a wonderful career. Hopefully, living the life. No, the number one creator this year was Mr. Beast. No space, no period. Mr. Beast. Uh, all one word. He had he he had the most subscribed channel of the year on YouTube. He's the he's the top trending creator. He's also okay. behind the year's top trending video in which he spent 50 hours buried alive in a specially designed coffin, folks. That wow. is that is content. He also, Mr. Beast, very notably this past week, he released a like he recreated Squid Game, but in real life oh, yes. without murdering yeah, anybody. That. And that's also been a very big video, over 100 million views in, you know, its first week or whatever online. Let me ask you this. Uh, yes. Are they counting music videos and videos from like... Uh, uh, no, they, these are the trending videos. These are sort of created by YouTube creators. I do have a list of the top five music videos. We will also discuss those later okay. on in this segment. Fucking have a little patience, Hal. Jesus I'm just, Christ. I just wanted to get that uh, Listen, clarification. Can I say Listen, one I'm thing? Fly I'm flying blind. I'm can flying I say blind one thing? here. Can I yes. say one thing? Slow your fucking roll. Oh boy! All right. Oh boy. So that's Mr. We got. We got. It. We had to talk about Mr. Beast. He of the. I'm gonna do Squid Game, but I don't get it. <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> so mm -hmm. he was number one. Uh, after that, what did you think, by the way? Of of does it does it make sense to do Squid Game in real life, but I don't hurt anybody and I just give them money? Does that do you, is that something you'd be interested in watching? Yes, I, I think that there's a yeah, there's absolute reason to do that because yes, I mean I know uh, what Chrissy Teigen got in trouble for throwing a Squid Game theme party because like yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it kind of takes the the content and divorces it from any of its meaning. Yes, from its meaning from the darkness. But here's one thing that I feel like a lot of people are forgetting: much of Squid Game rides on style, the stylized uniforms of both the per game participants and the captors, um, the, the fun, cool aspects 
of the games. All right. That's that's what people are playing with. And for Chrissy Teigen to do it, it's it's absolutely like there's a, a blindness there. Well, but Mr. Beast is just as rich as Chrissy Teigen. It's not like he's less privileged than Chrissy Teigen. Uh, okay, but she threw kind of a let them eat cake kind of party. She just threw a party. He's making a for-profit venture out of it. He is, but it's fun to see people participate in those stupid games. I think it's just I think if you remove, uh, basically you're arguing that there is no such thing as political art. It doesn't matter what it's about. People are just going to pick clean the aesthetics and the things that they like about it. And so it's almost like it reduces all this stuff. Like, well, it's pointless. Nothing has any meaning. If Squid Game now is just a fun costume for for a corporate video series, then who who gives a shit? Why even make I'm not Squid saying Game? it's I'm I'm not saying it's uh, it's only that, but I'm I'm saying that's an aspect of it that people can key in on. Right. I just we're in such a cynical age that even if you make this passionate thing piece of content that's clearly got a very specific point of view and is really about something, people will watch it and they'll just filter out what they don't like. You know, it's like taking it's like taking the toppings they don't like off of a slice of pizza. It's like, well, you didn't even need to put the mushrooms on there because I'm just going to pick them off anyway. Or is he recreating it in a truer way because he is making it about this trickle-down class system? No, he it would only be if he murdered people. He has to kill people. That's what I say. He should have okay. to kill people. That's the point. If you take one thing away from this episode today, it's that I'm saying Mr. Beast should do murder. That's what I You think. know what? I would watch Mr. I well, maybe I would. Maybe I would protest. Maybe I would not watch Mr. Beast's snuff videos. Uh, uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't. Is he a Mr. Beast or not? What kind of beast refuses to kill anybody? Right? Like I know, I'm like I never watched that Daniel Pearl video. It's although fraudulent advertising. I know you watched that Daniel Pearl video on repeat. Just straight up loop. <laughs> that's awful. No, that's awful. awful. What an awful thing to say. I would never. That's terrible. That's that very is terrible. sad. Tra- no, but I'm saying if, if he was actually killing you people, I wouldn't want to see it. Yes, you should blame me. I brought it up. Uh, so let's let's continue. Let's go. Anyway, uh, Mr. Beast, I don't know. I got, I got to be honest with you, and I'm going to just throw this out here and then we can move on. I just don't even like – I just don't like the look of that guy. I never met him. I know very little about him. There's something about just the way he looks I don't like. You know? He's got one of those yeah, faces yeah. where it's just like, oh, you're like I don't like I don't this guy. I like that guy's face. No, I'm not like in. I'm not face. in. You know what? I'm not into it. He looks – he's got – there's like – there's this little – there's like a smugness. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. He's just so ha- he's so fucking happy with himself. Like, ooh, I spent fifty hours in this coffin with my Nintendo Switch. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit, Mister Beast. Let's keep going. He does have a shit eating grin. He yeah, you know, it's just grin. like he. Oh, he's so proud of himself for his little content ideas. Oh, we're so mm. proud. Anyway, I know it's totally gonna read like, oh, this old man who made YouTube videos and now he hates like the number one guy. But I like a lot of popular YouTubers. It's just this guy. Anyway. Some of the year's other top videos included a Minecraft speedrun by Gamer Dream, a glitter bomb prank from Mark Rober targeting a phone scammer. That's very satisfying. Who doesn't want to mm-hmm. blow glitter bomb up in the face? Oh, of I've a been phone having scammer? a lot of fun lately, um, just giving shit to phone scammers. Well, there you go. See, so that that's that's something for you to there. That's a goal for you. Like the top phone scammer content is doing very well these days. You got something to eat. Next level. Okay. Uh, The weekend Super Bowl halftime performance was in fourth place. Uh, That was lost in all the mirror hallways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then finally, a game, a stream of gamer Corey 
X Kenshin playing the indie game Friday Night Funkin'. That rounds out the top five. Great, great. Uh, k- kudos. There you kudos go. to all. And now let's we we'll do do you have a do you want to guess for the top YouTube's top trending music video of twenty twenty one? It was not uh it was not what I would have expected. Uh Bad Bunny. That's a great guess. Well, that's a very informed and wise guess. I salute you, but you're wrong. Mm. The answer is Pooh Shiesty's Back in Blood featuring Lil Durk. Now, I have to say, Lil mm. Durk, not a name I'm familiar with. I've heard it. I've heard he it. He appears twice in the YouTube Top 5. He's also in the fifth song, which I'll get to. So Slaying it, Lil what Durk. a year. No, Lil no more. I think he's just Durk now. Number two, the weekend. Sa- I, that, that's not how it works. I don't think that is. No, that's that you get if you make enough hit records, you drop the lil, and now you're just you're you know like Bow Wow. Like he's he's not Lil Bow Wow anymore. If only Lil C's had had more hits, you know. Mm. Just just did it wrapped up his career wrapped up too quickly. He never dropped the lil. Then he's gonna be an old man walking around still calling himself Lil. It's embarrassing. Lil Kim is still Lil Kim. She she's a middle aged woman. That she's big, big Kim, big Kim now. Should be. Aging handsomely Kim. I think she's doing great. Uh, Yeah, then we got The weekend. Save Your Tears, Lil Nas X's Montero, parentheses, call me by your name. Polo G's Rap Star, all caps, you have to yell it. And then finally, DJ Khaled's Every Chance I Get featuring Lil Baby and Lil Dirk. Or just Dirk Dirk now. Yeah. Maybe just Baby and Dirk. Lil Baby, not Da Baby. Different no. babies. Yes. Da Baby, Lil Baby, Boss yeah. Baby. You got to know your babies. Yeah, Da Baby has been having a lot of controversy. Yeah, controversy no, not, not so Lil Baby. He's doing great. He's just a little baby. Ah, oh, but <laughs> by your rationale, for him to go from Lil Baby to Baby, like he'd yeah, still big, be Baby. Big Baby, large Baby. Like he should go from Lil Baby to Toddler. He's get right to like little tot. little young adult, yeah, young uh, tot. <laughs> I like that. It's that same thing of like you know like the the really big heavy guy. They'd be like, we're going to call him tiny, yeah. and you know like the, like it's that, but we've taken it to such an extreme level in hip hop now that it's literally like grown men having to go by little baby, like little infant tiny baby G is going to be my rap name. <laughs> Young fetus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those are those are your big YouTube videos, which I did not watch and will never watch. So congratulations mm-hmm. to Polo G. Uh, Apple congrats ordered, to everyone. Congrats to all the winners. Apple ordered a first season for the thriller series Disclaimer. This comes from filmmaker Alfonso Cuaron. And check out the cast on this bad boy. Wait, so what's the name of it? Disclaimer. Yes, you already said the disclaimer that it comes from Alfonso. You are not Laura Ingram. You don't have the comic (laughs) timing for this bit. You don't have the ace expert Uh, comic timing to pull off uh, an intricate comedy bit like this. I heard heard she took a Second City class. (laughs) (laughs) She was doing a Harold, folks. It was your classic Fox News Harold. (laughs) Sometimes you go on the news and you do a Harold. It was... You gotta, you gotta build. You know, it has to build. And, oh yeah, and then bring it around for the third beat. <laughs> it will, what a, oh Jesus Christ! But listen to the cast on this thing. Kate Blanchett is gonna star as a journalist. Ooh. She discovers that an upcoming novel contains dark secrets that seem to be about her and her past. The book's author is played by Kevin Klein. 
Kevin Klein and Kate Blanchett leading this Apple series. I love Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. You know what's a shame about Kevin? About sorry about Kate Blanchett. What's that? Uh, that I think. One of her best performances and an Oscar-winning performance for her, Blue Jasmine. It's a yes. shame it's uh, that it's from uh, disgraced director Woody Allen and the canceled uh, Louis C.K. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I think you know you you, you gotta. I'm not saying people should and, go uh, out throw in a little Alec Baldwin for good measure. And, and the the dice man also is and uh, the dice is, man who's, uh, got, who's a, a, another de- a culturally divisive figure, Andrew Dice Clay. I think like I I agree that she's great. And if there's stuff that you value about that movie, like look, I think that it's possible to appreciate her performance while also being very clear that you don't support you know Woody Allen and Louis C.K. what they say. But I'm not saying go spend money on the movie or support them financially or whatever. But I I don't I, it doesn't to me it doesn't necessarily mar that performance that it's associated with a, a bad guy because Kate Blanchett like lots of good and bad people work on basically every movie. But I agree she's she's terrific in she's terrific yeah. in that movie. Also Notes on a Scandal which I rewatched pretty recently and is mm. uh, is very good with her and Judy Dench. Uh, so the show is based on a novel by Renee Knight. It's the first project to arise from Quaron's overall deal with Apple, which he signed in 2019. That's shortly after Roma picked up uh, a couple Oscars, including director yes. and best international film. Uh, he's bringing along not one but two acclaimed cinematographers, Emmanuel Lubezki and Bruno Del Bonel. Well, both. So Emmanuel Lubezki did Gravity with Quaron. Bruno Del Bonel's done films like Inside Lou and Davis. Trying to think of what else you'd know from him. Mm. He's they're both they're both like wow. really like top film cinematographers that are gonna shoot. Just the two films you named have beautiful, distinct looks. Yeah, Del Bonnell does like all the co like he did that big Beth movie this year with the Cohen brothers. He did Amelie, uh Harry mm-hmm. Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Both wildly talented. So that's that's really Very something nice. to look forward to. Uh, Halle Berry signed an overall deal with Netflix. That's hot on the heels of Bruised, her MMA drama. They're saying that's one of the big Netflix films of the year, streamed 47.7 million hours after just five days on the platform. Of course, we always say take all these Netflix metrics with a grain of salt. We really yeah. Lon thinks uh, they're, they're lying. I don't say they're lying, but it, it's it's hard to know. Relatively, we don't we don't have a lot of context on any of these numbers, but it must be doing pretty well because they've scooped her up to make more stuff for them. Now she all they want to be in the Halle Berry business. Yeah. Now in addition to these two, so she she's going to do new stuff for them, but she already right. has two projects in addition to this deal that are in the works: uh, the sci-fi film The Mothership. And the spy movie Our Man from Jersey, in which she'll co-star with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, there you go. Uh, neither of them from Jersey. She might. I. I don't know. She might. She might have been born in Jersey. Mark Wahlberg, sort of very, very famously not from Jersey. Yes. <laughs> like, although they are playing characters, uh, so I guess has one Mark could Wahlberg ever played a character who's not from Boston? That that was a that was a casting error. Oh, um, in. The uh, happening was he supposed to be from Philadelphia? Yeah, probably. But he still maybe just he was a teacher. Like he, was, he was like the one guy, the one guy from Philadelphia who says "wicked" that much. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a lot, lot more Holly Berry content coming to Netflix uh, for all you fans. Colby Smulders. Oh, did you hear? She's uh, she's being sued about her uh, over that bruised movie by one of the MMA. Uh, 
Oh, really? Uh, wi- women that she worked with. Yeah, because apparently uh, she promised this one woman, uh, uh, I forget the name of the fighter, but she promised her a role in the movie, and then that never materialized, and the fighter says she put off some high-level fights because she had to keep her schedule clear. So I think they should settle it in the ring. <laughs> Just fight, fight it out. Well, yes. Holly Berry is now a MMA champion. I mean, I believe she holds the UFC belt after making this film. Uh, uh- Oh, no, no, that's just uh, that's just the uh, fictionally. In no, the no, movie. It's a, it, this is this was a this was a documentary. I'm pretty sure. Uh, she learned I, how to do. I, all you got to do, like we've seen said it, before. I think you might be wrong, but I listen. I as we already discussed, you just got to learn those little like behind the head punches. That's it. It's really not that. Listen, oh, if you're an MMA, punches? if you're an MMA fighter and you're listening to this, I don't think what you do is very hard. I think you just have to lock your legs around the other person and then you do those quick punches to the back of the head. That's that's what every MMA fight ends up being. I mean that I, I can't I can't argue with that. I feel like every time I watch, it's like twenty seconds of like awkward grappling, and then the the I got my legs around you, and I'm just hitting you in the back of the head until you like get disoriented. With this level of MMA commentary, am I still talking to Lon Harris, or yeah. did Mister Joe Rogan come in <laughs> to <laughs> the uh, podcast host and UFC commentator? Hey, listen, folks. Uh, don't get vaccinated. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Kobe Smulders will reprise her role as former S.H.I.E.L.D. Deputy Director Maria Hill for the Disney Plus series Secret Invasion. Now, this is the one Mm. Samuel L. Jackson's coming back, Ben Mendelsohn's coming back as Nick Fury and Talos the Skrull. It's about, you know, Nick Fury and Maria Hill, they're going to be looking for a group of shape-shifting Skrull aliens who have been secretly hiding out on Earth for years. Now, we last saw uh, Samuel Jackson and Maria Hill together in Spider-Man Far From Home. Hal, I don't know if you remember. Oh, uh, yeah. You're Um, looking at me blankly. Yeah, Mysterio. That was the... They, they recruited Spider-Man exactly to help them fight what they thought were these elemental monsters and ended up being Mysterio. But then yeah, in a, a bunch twist, of mirrors and things. But then in a twist at the very end of the film, we discovered that they weren't really themselves, that Nick Fury was in space, and that that was actually Skrulls undercover. So we don't really know what's going on with them right now. We'll, we'll find out in the show. Uh, oh, Kingsley yeah. Benadir, Olivia Coleman, and Amelia Clark will also be in that show as new characters. Wow. Olivia cast. Coleman, she's the best. She's she's very good. So she's she's joining the MCU next year in Secret Invasion. Welcome to the party, Olivia Coleman. Have you watched that uh that that new uh, Olivia Coleman Lost Daughter movie? No. I don't think it's out yet. Oh, I, I out, thought it was like a few more okay. weeks. I mean, I think it may be theaters, but I don't think we have a chance to see it on our screens until closer to the end of the month. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to be I'll be the looking at The directorial for it. Be- debut of Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Uh, I'll uh, be looking for that. Netflix announced Dakota Def- Johnson as well. But what? Yes, Dakota, Dakota Johnson Johnson's in that. also yeah, yeah. Okay. also in. That's not what happened, Ellen. Uh, her her big her. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Well, that was Dakota Johnson's big moment on Ellen, where Ellen was like, "Well, you didn't invite me to your holiday party, or birthday party." Dakota was like, "That's not how it happened, Ellen." And it was like that was the that was the one push that it took to bring down the mighty Ellen DeGeneres. Like oh, she yeah. started the, the whole thing. Came and, out of the woodwork. And then all the other dominoes fell. Like, yeah, like, oh, she's a monster. Yeah. Yep. 
Netflix announced Death to 2021. You remember the, the Death to 2020 year-end wrap-up special from Charlie Brooker, the Black Mirror creator? Yeah, it was a tongue-in-cheek uh, comedy uh, comedy year-end wrap-up. Well, yep. He takes, so, you know, you get real archival footage of the year that was, and then he has actors playing fictional characters doing sort of commentary or talking about what they did that year. So some of the actors, including Hugh Grant and Tracy Ullman, who were in the 2020 version, will come back. For the new episodes, but we're also getting some new cast members, including Lucy Liu, Stockard Channing, and Good Place vet William Jackson Harper. Uh, so look for that in a few weeks on Netflix. Uh, sadly, Hulu announced that Pen15 is going to come to an end after this current second season. The final Ooh. episodes actually go we're, – we're recording this on a Thursday. The last episodes go up tomorrow on Friday, so by the time you're listening to this – Pen15 will have closed out its run. Now, this was not a cancellation. Creators Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle, uh, they had envisioned the show originally as three seasons, but it kept getting delayed. Season two got very delayed by COVID. They ended up even having to do an animated episode for one of them because they just couldn't shoot what they had planned because it's impossible during the pandemic. So in consideration of that and the fact that it's been a sort of breakthrough project for both of them and they're getting approach to do films and other shows now. They've decided to wrap it up after just two years. I think this is going to stand for a while as kind of a landmark streaming comedy series. It was nominated, season one was nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series at the Emmys, and I think we may get more Pen15 down the road. I don't know if this is it forever, because it was such a, it feels like a big show that a lot of people I know watch and care about. Yeah, it, it's one of the best comedies to come down the pike in recent years because it's just so inventive and it just rides that, like they, the two women, um, the uh, the lead characters, uh, they- They're called Maya are, and Anna. They're, they're named Maya and Anna. They're named uh, after their l- real world listen, counterparts. Oh, there you go. Uh, they're, they're excellent because it's so damn funny, but also, and you wouldn't think this would be possible with these two, what, 30-something, late 20, yeah. early 30s. I believe they're uh, in their women. 30s. Yeah, pl- playing these teenage kids. But you're also, you're invested in the emotional journey of these characters as well. Yeah. So that's... This, this show and American Vandal came out pretty close to one another, and both mm-hmm. of them have that in common, which is they're, they're, they're these zany, high-concept, gimmicky shows, but yes. there's real humanity. It's not just a big yes. goof. There's almost a dramatic side where they're still taking their characters seriously as people, and that's really what elevates it, I think. Like, you have the combination of that... Uh, it's almost like, you know, not quite, but that, that Steve Buscemi meme of uh, what's going on, fellow teenagers. But then also combined with uh, uh, eighth grade or book smart right. yes. or something like that. Exactly. And it's like so nicely done. Uh, yeah, great show. Uh, and gone, uh, gone slightly too soon. Hopefully yeah. we'll see more. And as someone who, you know, uh, spends a lot of social time with middle schoolers, I felt like that would really, for you especially, that you would appreciate that. You know, help you relate to the kids. You know what? I've I've retired as a, a scout leader. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, uh, I don't know what got into me. I'm sorry about that. No, no. Uh, feel feel free to paint me as a monster. <laughs> uh, HBO Max accidentally uploaded a censored version of Birds of Prey that had been produced for cable. Uh, so it took out some of the profanity and replaced, weirdly replaced one shot of Harley Quinn flipping someone, the bird, into her flashing this kind of like 
mutant peace sign. Uh, that sucks. That's Harley. That's Harley Quinn's thing. Yes, like she's Harley Quinn's you the thing bird, is saying, "Oh, well, what the fuck, Mister J?" I just like that. It's like she'll like beat somebody to death with a baseball bat, and they're like, "That's just Harley being Harley." But a middle finger, like that's offensive. Come on, what are you thinking? That's just the puritanical society yeah. that we live in. That's just so. It's such a weird thing. Anyway, uh, this version had been produced for cable TV, but it was accidentally uploaded. They didn't mean to put this one on HBO Max, so it has since been pulled. And now if you go to HBO Max, you will see the original R-rated flipping people the bird version of Harley Quinn. But I thought- Full well, penetration. Right, yeah. Full no, penetration. Lots of, you know, Killer Croc goes full frontal in this movie, folks. Oh, I yeah. did not see that coming. Uh, Killer Croc's cock. Uh, there was actually original- the original version of Birds of Prey was a lot more R-rated, and instead of being a uh, like a bank code for like this mafia family's wealth, what was actually yeah. hidden inside the gem was a sex tape featuring Black Mask. That was the original concept. He was trying oh. to get back naked pictures of himself, and they were like, "That's too raunchy for DC. Scale it back and make it like money." He's trying to steal. But anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I, what I thought was interesting about this story is everybody like freaked out. You had this moment of, oh my god, the they we're not in control. Like HBO Max could just get rid of Birds of Prey, and there's nothing we could do about it. You know, like it was this sudden reminder for people that yes, you're you're subscribing to these streaming services, and then they're a hundred percent in control of the content. Uh, it, it's just like, what else is new, folks? <laughs> like, yeah, you gave, like you did, everybody decided you didn't want DVDs anymore, and now here we are. It's too late. What are people missing here? A human has to like set the thing to upload to the <laughs> system, right? No, I think it, it's less about that, and it's more like there. There's this imagined idea that these services are going to serve as some sort of archive that, like. Oh, yeah. This is where Warner Brothers DC movies will go and will live and we can all just rely on them being there. And I think a lot of people kind of do think that way, that like there's an implicit promise when you pay your HBO Max subscription that it's just going to have all of this stuff permanently. And like – uh, fucking no! Like yeah, these no, companies just feel. these companies just decide what they want to put on there, and they could just decide that you don't get this content anymore next month, and then it's gone, and you have zero control. And if that is important to you, like I got to be honest, if that's really important to you, like you're kind of fucked because it's just not where the industry is going. But that would be the kind of person who should probably be buying things they really care about on physical media. Yeah, I hear you on that. I would be, like, really upset, though, if, like, not me, but if I was so, like, the biggest MCU fan and I'm, like, putting all this trust into Disney+. Plus, yeah, exactly. That everything's going to be there. I mean, they could uh, decide in a couple of years that, uh, you know, like, fuck wasps and then Ant-Man and the Wasp disappear. <laughs> like, what if we suddenly as a nation turn on wasps? That's two of my precious 20... 20- Six twenty-seven MCU movies. Yeah, I don't even mean um, the insect folks. I mean white Anglo-Saxon Protestant people. Oh, d- then just racially, that's just going to be a mass grave. Yeah. Um, oh, let me one more question. I'll be talking about this on Tucker Carlson tonight. Please tune in. We have to protect <laughs> the white race. Uh, the white man can't even speak without getting canceled. <laughs> yeah. so, there's no good ending if you start a sentence with. The white man. That's it. You're fucked. There's no. <laughs> yeah. There's no good. Uh, 
Nowadays, yeah, that, that something something bad's no. gonna come. Uh, out if you're if you're white, if you're a, if you're a, 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 a person of another race and you go the white man, you're probably gonna say something true. If yeah, that's no, a, a white and, person and, starting that way, there's nothing. There's no the. Ooh, yeah, it's like ooh. Would like to offer a you a Christmas color, cookie. It's like, preach, yeah. preach. Yeah, right. And um, it's like I want to watch this HBO three part documentary. Exactly. Uh, so one more follow-up question about the uh, the edited, uh, the clean version of yeah. uh, Bir- Birds of Prey. Sure. Um, so no truth to the rumor that uh, it was because HBO Max had merged with Clean Flicks? No, there is. There's truth to that rumor. No, there's no, <laughs> there's no truth to that's that rumor. That's the name of that company that scrubbed all the uh, right. greatest from Well, this, this used to actually be... It's funny how in every generation we kind of have a new version of this. Because remember, Blockbuster used to get in trouble for, like, editing movies or, oh, the version at Blockbuster that you rented this. It, it it doesn't have, you know, the handy scene in the car or whatever. I'm making that up. But, like... What, for a Brown Bunny? The uh, blowjob? Yeah. The, no, the infamous, <laughs> the in, you know, the infamous Lawrence of Arabia handy scene. They got, oh, they took yeah, it out of Blockbuster. Uh, Olivier was... Uh... <laughs> Riding across the desert. That's Peter O'Toole. Oh, Peter O'Toole, sorry. Last news story, Hal. Let's jump into it. Fallen Kingdom director J.A. Bayona is making a new Spanish-language scripted film. It's called The Society of the Snow. It's about that infamous Uruguayan Air Force flight that crashed in the Andes in the 1970s, stranding a rugby team up there. They ended up having a very harrowing time that uh, was depicted in the 90s classic American film, Alive. So now we're going to get a new Spanish-language version of that same story. It's based on a book, uh, La Sociedad de la Nieve, which means Society of the Snow, Spanish, uh, which was based on actual interviews with the real survivors. I actually... Uh, had an audition for this film. Really? Yeah. Do you, um, uh, do you want to hear uh, one of the lines? No. No, of course I do. Of course I, of course I want to hear. Please. Please, senor. Let me eat your ass. <laughs> I like that he put in the senor. It's very respectful. <laughs> you would think <laughs> stranded in the Andes, months with the same group of people, you're 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 all starving. You're all dying slowly from exposure. But to throw in a, a, a senor is he was probably also using Please. the ustedes form. I doubt he would have said two. He would have said ustedes. Probably, probably, yeah. or usted. Uh, and uh, I, I ended up uh, not being cast. Shocking! Was, I can't believe it. Are you it fluent in, in Spanish? Room. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why. Particularly odd, weird that you were called out for that. It turns out there was one guy on this 70s Uruguayan rugby team who was just a Jew from California. How did that guy? Maybe maybe (laughs) he was a descendant of a Jew who fled uh, um, uh, World War II uh, Europe. Yeah, they were looking down, you know, they're like, everybody get on the play, like Antonio Gutierrez, Gutierrez, uh, Guillermo Rodriguez. David Feldstein is just like, hey. Fellas, I'm here. <laughs> presente. Did I say that right? Is it presente? It seems like uh, it would be presente. Ah, I'm just going to get on the plane. Ooh, I uh, wish it was a little more uh, caliente in here. Uh. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> you know, and, and me forgetting to bring a sweater. Yes. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Uh, uh, look Wasn't out for there that. another film besides Alive about? There have been, I, I think, about six or seven different film and TV projects over the years have depicted this very famous incident. Uh, mm. Also, a great Mr. Show sketch. <laughs> 
based oh, on, yes. based on the story uh, where Bob Odenkirk eats all of his fellow passengers, even though I think he was stuck up there for like a few days. Uh, anyway, looking looking forward to that. Uh, Jay Boyd also did. Uh, he did The Impossible and The Orphanage before uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. He's a, he's a good director. Oh, The Orphanage. That's a spooky one, huh? It's a little spooky. Look out, folks. A little spooky. And how that that does it for the news. I'm all done with That's the news. The news. Coming up, uh, we watched some stuff, a couple of Disney Plus programs, an Apple TV Plus program, and uh, one of them involves uh, the Fab Four. Bitching the fuck out of shit. The James Conn film, The Program. Lon. Hey, remember when the program came out and kids were laying in the in the center divider on the freeway oh, like yeah. the kids do in that movie? Don't do that. Don't. Uh, don't I don't want do your that. life. That's Varsity uh, Blues, you fucking idiot. Six of one, half dozen How of the other. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn it. I, I, was play, I was playing fast and loose. Yeah, they're, ca- they're, both, they're, both, they're both high school football, but uh, not the that same. Really, that really... Uh, that came back to haunt me. That yeah. one did. Yeah. Lon, d- let me ask you a question. Do you have Beatlemania? I do. I do have Beatlemania after watching. I feel this. like I, I feel like I did catch a little Beatlemania after watching Get Back. I just stood on my balcony and just screamed. I just screamed for a while, like a like a thirteen year old girl. Yes. Uh, Get Back Disney Plus three episodes, eight hours. Peter Jackson, The Beatles. All the footage, never before released. Uh, you know, I'm, I got to tell you this, Lon, and uh, you, you'll probably be a little bit disappointed, but I, I didn't like the uh, I didn't like uh, the first like the first episode. I just wasn't in the headspace for it. I was like, okay, come on, can we get to a hit a little bit faster? I felt like it was just a little you were, too. Slow. You were but watching that- actual real time footage of the band coming up with songs in the studio, like play the hits, motherfuckers. Like they hadn't ripped. You got to write yeah. the hits before you play the hits. I know. But then, no, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, by the end of the first episode, I was on board. It's not really like a conventional documentary. It's 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 like a, it's an immersive experience. It, it you, is. You have to watch it long enough because he's taken this footage. He's using, he's using computer, like technology. Like there's a lot of AI sort of editing to fill in information or whatever. So it's not, it's not just footage. It's, it's recreated to be so clear and crisp and it feels very contemporary and you just get sucked Mm -hmm. into it. And after a while, it really does have the illusion of sitting in this studio watching the Beatles put this uh, project together, and it 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 really you kind of lose your you kind of lose your sense of self if you watch it long enough. Yeah, absolutely. Like you do feel like a fly on the wall. You do feel like you know you can uh, you can absolutely immerse yourself, and you do get immersed watching it. But also, you can just have it on, and the songs playing, and you can go into the kitchen and make a sandwich, and come back, and I. You, but but you're you're with it. It it can just be your reality. Yeah, and I mean, a lot, I think, uh, you know, people are pulling out. Eight hours. Uh, people are pulling out, like, the big, you know, like, the most fascinating moments. Like, well, there's a part where Paul kind of comes up with get back semi-spontaneously while he's just kind of, you know, goofing around. Or, like, when mm-hmm. Billy Preston first comes and they sort of reinvent the songs with the keyboards. Uh, but some of the best stuff is just the weird little 
detail stuff that you wouldn't get anywhere else. Like the fact that they all called Ringo Rich. His, you know, his name's Richard Starkey in real life. Uh, mm-hmm. But they all call him Rich or Rick, not Ringo in that. And, and Or the toast. Like, that's another thing I can't get over. If you think of today... If you imagine like a recording studio where one of the biggest artists of today was recording, you, it would you, you would think of the the requests they would make. You would think of things like you know expensive booze oh. or fancy food or you know the finest drugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for the Beatles, they're constantly smoking cigarettes, they're drinking yes. tea, and it's fucking toast. There are nonstop toast. They're constantly being brought in these large trays of toast and marmalade. And you can even hear Lennon. John Lennon gets like excited, like, oh, good. They brought the marmalade. And it's like these were the biggest stars in the world. Eggs and toast. They could have gotten anything. It's just like that stuff. I was as fascinating to me as anything else. Just the little lived in details. I 100 percent agree. And it's just delightful to see John and Paul joking together. Yeah. And then once George, like, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but you <laughs> see them. What? Don't spoil? No, you're worried about spoiling stuff that happened within the Beatles in 1969. Like, well, yeah, the band, it's, it's like the band's going to break up for George a George Harrison before, left the band at one point, he left, folks. He, he left the bloody band. Um, and then uh, just to watch that drama unfold. But then when he comes back and just seeing the dynamics of everyone and just seeing fucking Ringo sitting there like a fucking uh, uh, quiet as a church mouse the entire time. And uh, like Ringo, like you could tell Ringo's vibe was totally like, uh, all right, I've got a good thing going here. I'm not going to be the one to fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Ringo but, had left the band prior to this. So he had oh, been the really? one. Yeah. So he was already, he'd already had his walkout comeback moment. Because he really seemed like, uh, just like, yeah, everything's fine by me. That's the, uh, Paul, I think, I think it's in, I think it's in that Hulu show we watched with, uh, with uh, Rick Rubin. Yeah, 321. Right, where, where McCartney, McCartney talks about, yeah. uh, Ringo had like a lot of fans who just thought he was like cute and funny and just liked Ringo aside from the music and the drumming. And so it's always funny that dynamic of like, they couldn't sideline him too much because then the screaming girls would be like, where the fuck is Ringo? Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. always like, he's not like writing the songs with them, but he's like in the orbit and they're always trying to come up with stuff that they can have him do to keep the fans happy. I have seen pushback from a lot of people online who, you know, it, it maybe it wasn't their thing. If you're even a casual Be- like Beatles fan or just like, like you like some of their songs and you're like, I could give this a chance. Do it because you will, you're hanging out with four geniuses, five when Billy Preston arrives and just. And, and I love that you're you're not only hanging out with the Beatles, but you're getting to know all of the other people that were sort of in the, like Glenn Johns, their engineer gets oh. a lot of attention. And Mal, the roadie who plays the anvil during Maxwell Silverhammers in a bunch. And I really wanted to highlight Maybe the worst person I've ever seen depicted in a documentary. Uh-oh. The director of the actual documentary okay. that they're making, Michael Lindsay Hogg is his name. He's yes. this little guy in a suit with a cigar. Imagine a guy in a soundstage. First of all, just if you've ever been on a soundstage, imagine if there was a guy walking around smoking a stogie the whole time. Just filling the room with that disgusting cigar smoke, making everyone else smell it 
all day, like a 12 hour yeah. day. Already you'd want to punch him in the face. But he's That's got this a strong odor. He's got this very irritating <laughs> voice. He's got nothing but bad ideas. And he's so insistent. He keeps repeating his bad ideas even long after it's obvious that John and Paul and, and George Rigo are not interested. And in fact, I pulled, there's a, we got an exclusive deleted scene that I mm -hmm. wanted to play for the folks. Uh, just to give you an example of some of, you know, how, how awful Michael Lindsay Hogg is during this whole experience and how much I just wanted, I just wanted him to go away. So let's yeah, uh, go ahead let, and roll it. Yeah. yeah, let's cue that up now. So, fellas, I had some ideas. I, now, I say this is a fan. I say this Roll is it. the biggest. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I have Roll all it. of your records. I love the sticky one with the zipper on the front. That's one of my favorites. I think that's the rather right I love, I love all of your records. I'm a huge fan. And I think for this show, what would be really exciting is if we put you guys in a plane and we flew you all around the world like at night when nobody could see you follow the plane and then we just dropped you in a random location and that's where you play the concert. I think that would be exciting. That seems dangerous and Im impractical. Yeah, that seems a little bit, uh, seems like a, a little bit of uh, counterproductive. But you're the Beatles. It's not supposed to be, you know, practical. I think that's what people want from like a really big classy rock and roll show. You know, it can't, it can't be practical. The people want to hear the music. Here, so here's Roy. what I here's what I think we should do. Uh, I think I found a cave. I think we've we, we've got this cave. It, it, it's in it's in South America. I don't know where. How are the how are the acoustics? I I don't know. We haven't had anyone down there. The only person who's scouting locations for me is a deaf man. So he cannot check. He doesn't know what the sound will like, but it's a very dramatic location. Once again, that seems impractical. But here's what I think. We fill it with torches. And so it's it's just it's dramatic. Picture this: it's a cave, it's dramatic torchlight. Right. You're all playing your instruments while you're also all holding a minimum of eight torches. So it's just this dramatic torchlight. We fill the cave with I don't know what kind of people do they have in South America? Arabs? Is it full of no, Arabs? I think it's we South Americans. The, we fill the cave with South American Arabs. They're all holding torches. You're holding torches. I'm holding a torch. Everybody at home is holding a torch. It's very dramatic. It seems like a lot of work for very little payoff. Well, I mean, the payoff is, you know, you, you're, you're the Beatles. And it's, it's the talent and it's the songs and it's the songcraft and it's the cougars. It's the fact that you might be mauled by a jaguar while you're playing. We just want to play our music, man. All right, I hear that. One more idea, one more suggestion. I hear that you want it to be focused on the music. One more suggestion, and I'll listen to it, or my name isn't John Lennon. Yes, uh, you're, you're John Lennon. Thank you for, thank you for, there's four of you. I'm talking to four people right now, so it's helpful that you were able to let me know which one of you Ringo's is. Ringo's here. Thank you. You're all here. Here's what I wanted to suggest. What if instead... George, George is back. We, we set up, it could be anywhere we do it, maybe on the roof of this building, I don't know. But instead of instead of your instruments, we, we give you all blunt objects and then you just beat one another to death. Instead, we don't have a concert, there's no music, there's no other band. We just record you while you brutally kill one another until only one beetle is left. Well, I, George, have had the desire to hit Paul with a blunt object many times. Oh, really, Ringo? You've wanted to hit me with a blunt object? Yes, I have. That's why I left the band for a little while. Oh, well, 
Michael, I think I think it's not the worst idea in the world. All we'll right, so let's we'll switch with that. out we'll, our instruments for the blunt objects. I'm going we'll, to so we'll, we'll, we'll pencil it in. Let's say, let's say for seven days from now, we'll pencil it in. I'll talk to George. We'll see what we can figure out. But, but let's move forward with that. All right, All so, right. The, the, so uh, you know, I thought an, an, an interesting look behind the scenes. I just, yes. it, it just seemed like he was not very helpful. He just seemed like he no, was not very his, helpful. Like he, he had these grand ideas that were like a road to nowhere. Uh, it was always, it just always goes because like that one, he wanted to go to Libya and there's yeah. this outdoor amphitheater and he does. And uh, what was the thing with, he had, he, and he had one with like all the little lamps or torches. Yeah, uh, toy wanted torches was, yes. and he, he does, he, he does. <laughs> He does keep saying that he wants to fill the place with Arabs. Like, and I know it was 1969. <laughs> I know it was 1969. But I'm not, I, even in his 1969, like, racist British guy brain, I can't really figure out what the what the pitch was there. And it seems like John and, like, none of the Beatles have any idea what he's pitching either. So weird. It's um, really funny. Yeah, it, it is. It is great. He's Bizarre. he's a total he's a total character. And by the way, um, I, th- I one thing we haven't mentioned yet. Yoko is freaking. Um, bizarre and amazing. I love her and um, am uh, uh, like reviled by her well, at the same time. It's interesting too. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, Peter Jackson, who who directed this, of course, the great New Zealand yes. filmmaker Peter Jackson. He had said that that this was meant as a you know, Lindsay Hogg made a film out of this footage called Let It Be in 1970. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's really focused on the drama and the breakup and the Beatles being at each other's throats and not being able to get along anymore. And so Jackson kind of meant this as that's not the whole story. And like, let's present all, all these other sides. And it's not. And one of the really fascinating things is we think of, you know, oh, Yoko was there all the time. Yoko was constantly by John's side. They couldn't get away from Yoko. That's always been the cultural idea. But now we see. Linda McCartney was right there too the whole time, and George had his Hari Krishna friends sitting just over to the side. Like there were a lot of people in the studio. It's not like Yoko yeah. was the only outsider or interloper yeah, I mean, there. Yoko, Yoko was a little close proximity. It was, it was like kind I of joined say, at Linda, the hip. Linda's there a lot. I was surprised was by how she, much she, Linda was also there right there. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, like we said, you get this unprecedented peak. It feels intimate. And then uh, you're going to enjoy the journey. But the journey is so worth it because the ending is so goddamn triumphant. Like, just crank that music when they are um, when they play that final concert. Not only that, though, the, I love the little interviews with uh, the Londoners uh, down yeah. below listening yeah, to yeah. it. Though, like, you, you had, th- there were some just delicious moments with the people who were, like, looking up, and, and the interviewer was like, do you know who that is? And some knew immediately that it was the Beatles. It was Paul McCartney singing. And some were like, no, who is it? The Beatles. Oh, all right, all right. Do you like the Beatles? Oh, yeah, I quite like them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, they're all right. <laughs> and then yeah. every once in a while, it's such you a, have, it like, is such a slice yeah. of life in some ways. It really does feel like being yeah. a little transported to 60s London for for a few hours here and there. And, uh, it, yeah, a, a, a total delight. So here's your ideal uh, watch uh, 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 prescription, okay? You, you clear out eight hours you take mushrooms and you dive no, into the screen. Do no, don't do that. <laughs> Just literally <laughs> dive into the screen. Don't, don't take mushrooms. And also don't dive into your TV screen. Picture yourself in a boat on a river. No, uh, get back. 
is available to be watched right now on Disney Plus. And uh, yeah, uh, err on the side of watching it. We watched uh, another Disney Plus joint, uh, the brand new addition to the MCU, Hawkeye. Hawkeye is, uh, I I don't know, are three episodes out now? Yes, episode three is new this week. And I got to tell you, the first two, I thought until yesterday that I was going to come on here and 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 harsh everyone's mellow by mm-hmm. coming out anti Hawkeye cuz this did not grab me right away at all it felt very like generic MCU like mm-hmm. oh it's the he's seen it all he's jaded and she's like plucky okay it just yes. felt like so by the numbers and I was really bored by it but I thought episode 3 was pretty terrific and 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 really brought me back around in a in a big way. I feel very similarly, Lon, and I still have a couple of critiques where I'm like, okay, I guess. And here's the thing, like nothing you or I say matters. People are gonna watch no. this hey. or they're not gonna watch this. No, everything <laughs> I say really matters. I mean that's true. That's okay. true. You okay. are the uh, the you 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 are the uh, the first gentleman of I streaming. Just, I just like <laughs> you can speak for yourself, but for me. Yeah, this shit really matters. True. Uh, but uh, you're you're either going to watch Hawkeye or you're not going to watch Hawkeye. You're either invested in the MCU or not. I like but you gave him a little, like, a little Hawkeye. <laughs> like Hawkeye. Hanukkah. Listen, the this, Hawkeye. This oh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah, by the way. Please enjoy Hawkeye. <laughs> I absolutely feel like they, they, they really stepped it up in the third episode as well. There were some great action set pieces in that episode. We meet this new character, Echo, uh, mm-hmm. Zach McClarendon, uh, the great character actor who we just enjoyed earlier this year. Reservoir Dogs pops up in her backstory. Yeah, Reservation Dogs. Mm-hmm. Those are those are those were some great sequences. So that's yes. the first right. There's this really terrific chase fight with a lot of like the trick arrows that finally kind of delivers on the promise of a Hawkeye TV series to begin with that was shot really yep. well. Uh, it just it just elevates the material and it makes it fun and it gives it more of its own personality, which I felt like the first two episodes were were really yeah. Lacking. There was something generic and there was almost like I don't know what was it Iron Man three where it was like Iron where it was uh, Tony Stark and the little kid like yes. I don't know like it had that yeah it had that kind of it, uh, al- it also to it had it. a little like CW energy like the rich family that doesn't yeah. get along and then there's yes. this like. It was just like I don't what what is this dynasty like I don't care about this. It was very it just felt cheesy to me. And then it wasn't until episode three where it sort of broke away from all that. Now, I don't know is this is this going to be the standout episode or is the show going to get good from here? Obviously I don't know. But it was the it was the first time it really it really grabbed my attention. Yeah, I, I I agree there. But uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Lon. And I don't want to go full like Max Landis, Mary Sue, Holy or anything. Shit, please don't. What the fuck? No. No, but um, I did not feel like the world building of Haley Steinfeld's character um, made me completely buy that she could do all these things. And then we got to see the backstory of Echo, which was done pretty well in a in a succinct short amount of time. And I'm like, oh, I believe her as an ass kicker. But the the Haley Steinfeld character, I'm kind of like, mm, they could, I didn't, I'm like, oh, 
she can do the all these martial arts moves and beat up the tracksuit mafia the way she did. That's a huge freaking surprise, kind of out of nowhere, that I didn't feel was well set up. And it kind of, so much so, I felt like it took me out of the story just because, like, they, they establish her as an archer. They establish that she can do fencing. But... Yeah, I, th- she literally beats up a bunch of giant guys. And it's like, all right. It, it really goes back to the same issue, which is it's not that I don't buy it or I can't watch it or, I, you know, I, I can accept Kate Bishop is this young ass kicker who just trained herself to be a super badass. And these tracksuit mafia dudes are just, you know, gangsters Schmucks. with guns. They're not yeah. particularly going to be adept or whatever. I can buy all that. It's just those early episodes, it just feels generic. She feels like every CW young superhero. It feels Mm -hmm. like every origin story where, like, she saw this bad thing happen and she won a bunch of karate tournaments and now she's, you know, young Batman. I don't sort of feel like I don't buy it. I just felt like there was nothing about it that made me, like, care about this character, this, like, poor little rich girl sort of thing they were trying to do. Just I, I don't know. It just wasn't. It's just there, nothing about the setup for me felt very interesting. And, and, I, and I also feel like there are times where Marvel can just they can rest on their laurels. They've got this world that people love. They've got all these yes. characters people love. They can sort of get a little lazy and go on autopilot and people will enjoy it just because of the legacy. And it feels like a little bit of that. It's like it's so easy for them to just be like, she's the new plucky, snarky heroine. And everybody's just like. I know what this character's like. I'm on board. And I and I think that, yeah, yeah it, it felt a little easy in those early episodes, not just in terms of Kate Bishop, the whole thing. And I think yeah. that that's really what they have to do is find new, you got to find new and compelling ways to like remix all this stuff or I'm just going to stop caring. Yeah. And like soap opera, like the Vera Farmiga and her new husband stuff is so soap opera-y. It is. And that, and that actor, I'm forgetting the actor, Jack, Tony Play- Dalton. Tony Dalton. There you go. Yeah. He's he's playing it. And it's, I don't think it's his fault. It's how it's written. But he's playing it in this very soap opera mustache twirly way. Yeah. Like where you could tell that this guy is like bad and he's like fucking with her and like, mm, my dear, let us fence after dinner. Like what the, yeah. what the, what is this? I don't give a shit about this. Yeah, that that was a, a little cheesy, but I really like that actor. He's great on Better Call Saul. That's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not, it's not his it's like how the world is written. It's not like he's doing a yeah. bad job. I just, that, those plot lines just like, it feels very like Riverdale or something. And I'm just not. It does. Not, it does feel like I'm going to rebel against my parents. Uh, like just a little too much of that. And, uh, but I do like, I, I do like the dynamics between uh, Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld. Uh, they're, they're fun to watch together. I don't know how much Jeremy Renner, like, is this a limited series? Is Jeremy Renner going to ride off into the sunset well, after this? Well, we, ju- we just don't know, but it it, uh. it, it, it does seem like we are potentially setting up a replacement. Like, yeah, there's oh, only probably going to be one Hawkeye when all this shakes out. Yeah. And it seems like it's probably going to be. Kate Bishop and not yes. aging yes. just wants to be with his family, Clint Barton. Yeah. So I feel like that may be what we're doing here as we're 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 making a swap. You know what this does also make me want more of? I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing like a straight up uh Ronin uh series. Well, I don't wanna Well if you, 
Yeah, don't spoil it. Don't spoil anything. Well, we've we've met we've met a character who may go on to assume that mantle as well. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I more or less agree with Lon here. The world building and just uh, some of the tropes were a little weak uh, in the first couple episodes, but it picks up in the third episode. Some great action set pieces and some cool characters introduced uh, as we go forward. And uh, listen, I'll say it again: uh, nothing we say, nothing I say matters. Lon, every word Lon utters. Yeah. Hang on my every word. Resonance. Yeah. Uh, but you're going to watch this or not. But uh, there it is. Hawkeye is up. Three episodes of it on Disney+. Plus. Finally, uh, we watched a, a heavy doc, a four-part series, The Line, on Apple TV+. Plus. Highly publicized uh, story from the past several years of the Navy SEAL, Eddie Gallagher, put on trial for war crimes, had uh, a, 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 bl- a black mark on his record, and then uh, pardoned by President Trump, all very well publicized. But I will tell you, um, until the, like the third, fourth episode, uh, until the end, it really makes you question the narrative of the, the story as it was portrayed in the news. But then, it, like, I feel like you walk away a little bit more conclusive. But it's uh, a really thought-provoking and uh, dark, uh, g- gritty portrayal of what th- these soldiers are doing in combat and where, as the episode title says, or as the title of the series says, where is the line between uh, combat fighter and then having morals in the battlefield like that? I get why it was made this way narratively, where yes. you kind of get little pieces of the story at, the, at a time, and it builds yeah. in a way that is trying for drama, but it, 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 it doesn't necessarily give you the most like the 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 facts that you want in the most coherent way. It it feels mm-hmm. like it feels like hearing the story from like eight different people at different parties. And so by the time you've been to all eight parties and you've heard all eight versions of the story, you're like, oh, okay, I think I can piece together everything that happened. But you're only getting bits of it, perspectives of it at a time. And and I I mean I guess thematically, yeah, they wanted it to feel that way, like the fog of war, like. You never know exactly what's happening. And once we send these guys, you know, in country, we can't really control exactly how things are going to play out from there. But it's also like, I don't I don't know why you would do it. It, it feels like a confusing way to tell the story. And it, it does feel frustrating at times. Like you could get through episode one and leave with a very skewed idea for who these guys were and mm-hmm. what they were all about and what they were actually doing. The core crime that Eddie Gallagher was accused by his own men of committing is not even mentioned in episode one. They mm-hmm. just talk about how he was clearing these neighborhoods in Mosul and, you know, what what the tactical disagreements were. And then in episode two, somebody's like, oh, and that's when he stabbed this prisoner in the neck with his hunting knife. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. How do we get through a fourth of this fucking show that you mentioning that he stabbed a prisoner in the neck with his hunting knife? And then you see the prisoner and it is a like 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid. And it's like, I, I feel like episode one was just bullshitting me. Like, there, that's to me is the line. Like, you can present things in a figurative, creative way that challenge my preconceptions of the story. But 
but I, but I, you should give me the facts up front so I know what the fuck we're talking about here. Like, I don't know. I, it was it was put together in a way that I thought was like a little confounding at times. And I feel like there's also we kind of spend a lot of time spinning around not getting at what I think the crux of a lot of the issue is, which is all of these questions about how what's the proper way to do war and what if you go to war what are the rules of engagement and what's right and wrong when you're there to kill people anyway and all that and 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 those are all valid and interesting questions and I'm not I'm not arguing they sh- we shouldn't discuss that stuff but the real core you can't really talk about that stuff with you talking about the big question is well why the fuck did we send these guys there anyway like like the problem is that we take some of the most aggressive uh, powerful Americans that we can find. Like we mm-hmm. seek out the people who are the healthiest and the strongest and the most powerful and also maybe the most aggressive with the most and desire to hurt them to be people. killing machines. And then we train them to be perfect killing machines. And then when they start killing people in mass, we go like, oh my God, look at them killing people. This is crazy. And it's like, well, yeah, like, well, what the fuck did you expect? Like you, you, found the most aggressive guy who loves to fight that you could, and then you spent decades telling him he's a warrior and showing him the best ways to kill somebody. Like, yeah, some of these guys, not all, not even most, not even maybe some, but but a few of those guys, yeah. or, or not just guys, a few of those people mm-hmm. are going to become crazy, kill crazy maniacs. Like, it's just going to happen. You, yeah. I, I don't know what, you know, and, and, and I don't feel like, I don't feel like because of the, the, the people we're hearing from in the movie are all inside that world. You know, we're hearing from mm-hmm. Navy SEALs and the people who train Navy SEALs and the people who love Navy SEALs. And so they're not thinking about it that way because it's their job and they very much believe in the mission and what they do. But for me watching it, it's like there needs to be one voice in this that's be like, well, we should they shouldn't have been there anyway. Like the problem was that we sent these guys to Mosul in the first place and they shouldn't have fucking been there. So they, they shouldn't have been able to shoot these people in the face. Yeah. So, someone talking about the fact that the, the flawed fact that we are the world's policemen or have been for so many years or, and we're going there. I think you got a little bit of perspective from uh, the gentleman who was uh, the secretary of the Navy, who was the civilian oversight of. Right. The but that's Navy. not till I think that's still till that's episode, not till episode three, three four. or four, three yeah. or four. Yeah, and then that's what also, I'm. This is what I'm saying. Like all of this stuff is in there. I'm, it, n- none of this is totally overlooked. But for a long time, you're just like, is nobody gonna bring any of this up? They're all just being like, we were there to help people, and it's like, no, you fucking weren't, dude. Like it's not there. I'm not blaming any of these. Well, Eddie Gallagher's a fucking piece of shit. But like, yeah. I'm not like. The Navy SEALs who were doing their job and who turned him in because they I, I don't blame any of those guys. I'm not saying they're 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 back out there. They good. were doing their jobs they're and they good. were doing their they're, jobs they did, to the height of their power. Like Right. They and they did the they did the right thing in this scenario. I'm just saying, like, you know, even even the Eddie Gallagher's only get to be the Eddie Gallagher's because we're like, get over there and Shoot those ISIS guys. Trust me, they're bad. They're very, they're all bad. They're very, very all, they're all very, very bad. Um, one of the most powerful parts, like if, if you watch all four, the, at the end of the, uh, at, at the end of it, you um, meet someone who claims to be the father of the killed, uh, of the dead ISIS soldier. Right. And humanizing this person, it just gives some very necessary perspective. I agree with Lon, like you could have just a voice 
talking about literally how we are programming these young men to behave. Any other documentary, you know, you'd get the you'd get an intro where it kind of lays out the basics. Here's right. what happened. Like here are the main facts of the case. Here's what they did, here's where they were, here's what these guys have accused this guy of just to give you that your your you know, your bearings. And we don't get that at all. It just comes at you. And and I think that it, I, I'm sure it was done purposefully with an artistic minded approach that like, we want you to kind of be confused and not sure who to trust and not sure which story is the real mm-hmm. version. But I don't know if by the time you get through, especially those first two episodes left me kind of confounded. And it was like, yeah. I'm glad I finished, but I, I feel like it should be a more well-balanced experience in some ways. Yeah, I, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. But overall, I feel like it was it was worth watching for the perspective. But it's good. And it's an important story. It's very watchable. And uh, yeah, so on that level, I recommend it. Yeah, when you see like who champions Eddie Gallagher's cause, it's like people like the disgraced Bernie Carrick. Uh, oh the yeah, former, just all terrible people. Yeah, just yeah. all like fringe right wing element. And uh, there's a lot of food for thought and just the trial, like the whole thing gets called into question. And then like Trump being programmed by the narrative that's portrayed on Fox News. And I I think it's laid out pretty well. But yeah, I I agree. And then uh, I'm also a hedge a little bit to the point you're making, because I feel like they want to keep you somewhat confused because – as you said, the fog of war. Which is it, and why is it? Why are these stories shifting and changing? But the point so, is now we're like we're okay. Now the war's over. Let's fucking yeah. unpack. Like I feel like we don't need yeah. to be in the fog of war anymore. It's it's years and years later. True, but uh, yeah, so, some powerful stuff, and I think it just really takes this issue of in the quote unquote theater of war, um, what, where, what is too far, what is too much. And this is available on Apple TV plus Apple TV plus the line produced by, uh, Alex Gibney out. What, what the heck is Alex? Oh my God. Taxi to the dark side. And, uh, yeah. So, so many political crime of the century was a, was a recent Alex Gibney one. And in fact, he's got, He's got even more stuff coming. So, like, Gibney never. Oh yeah, going clear the Scientology one. Yeah, Gibney never fucking stops. He's got another one coming out next week called the the Forever Prisoner. That's about Guantanamo. It's a look at the first. Oh wow. The first detainee who was subjected to uh, what the CIA called enhanced interrogation tactics at Gitmo. So that's coming to HBO just next week from Alex Gibney. He's a very impressive. Yeah, uh, Enron, smartest guys in the room. Yeah, so much. Yeah political filmmaker uh, doing a lot of good stuff. So yeah, uh, this is uh, on Apple TV Plus if you're interested. And those are the programs we watched. Lon, uh, what a fine time. Uh, Yeah, we learned never sit in the front row at an Eddie Gallagher performance. You... You will get some stuff on you. You will get either watermelons or brain fries. Or yeah, just you'll get Uh, some stuff. Yeah, shrapnel. Yeah, yeah. Hoot hoot, Owl Nation. Uh, where my gahooligans at? Thank you to Starburns Audio for having us. Thank you to Travis Reeves for producing us with a great deal of aplomb. Thank you, Jason Kay, for giving us an, a nice intro song. And thank you to Lon Harris for chatting with me again this week. Lon, where can they find you? 
Uh, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to keep up with everything that I'm working on. You can also check out the Inside Streaming newsletter where I write about all this nonsense five days a week. I reviewed True Story in there in case we don't get to it on this podcast. Uh, I talked about it there if you want to read my review. Inside.com slash streaming is where to sign up. It's free. And also, uh, I think this week we'll be bringing back, we take a few weeks off. Uh, Garmin shows you my show on the Content Candy Network along with Drew Grant, but I believe we will be bringing it back sometime in the next week. So check that out. You can just look up Content Candy or Garmin shows you wherever fine podcasts are sold. Very nice. And you can find me at Hal Rudnick on Twitter and Instagram. And then also, if you have an Alexa or an Echo device in your home uh, around uh, at a 11 a.m., uh, on the West Coast or 2 p.m. on the East Coast, five days a week, Monday through Friday, you can tell your device, open back channel. And then I will be there chit-chatting about news, pop culture, trending topics, and also making a lot of goofs and uh, some dumb comedy stuff. So come hang out with me on your Amazon Alexa device if you have one. Otherwise, uh, we'll catch you here next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye now. <laughs> Bitch boys, bitch boys. 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 Bitch in the fuck out of shit.